Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Now we are coming to the great chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, that if you go anywhere in the world, you will find elements of this chapter even in non-Christian communities and countries. And I have been in uh, small villages in Asia and all of a sudden go into a home of a Hindu or a Buddhist and up on the wall is a plaque. They may not even know what it's saying, but it would be 1 Corinthians 13. It's one of the most powerful chapters in the Bible about what is truly important to God. And in this context of how the spiritual gifts should operate, that we are to pursue love, we're not to pursue the spiritual gifts, we are to desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but our pursuit is the love of God. So I want us to read this chapter, and we're gonna spend a little bit of time on it. It it pretty much explains itself. There are some things that we will explain in detail as people within theological circles have tried it, tried to make it say some things it's naturally not saying. Verse 1, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. When we look at this verse, some people think that the tongues here is... A, when it says the, the tongues of angels or of men and of angels, that that is referring to speaking in tongues here. Not necessarily. As we look back on Acts chapter 2, the speakers who were Galileans were speaking in tongues of languages that they did not know. They were unknown tongues to them. But the Jews that had come from the world, around the world, which was the Roman Empire, heard them praising God in their languages. So we understand from that context that speaking in tongues in Acts chapter 2 was in a known language to the hearer, but not a known language to the speaker. How do these people speak in these languages being Galileans? They would not have known those languages. It was a supernatural speaking in tongues of languages that they could understand. But some have looked at verse 1 and they will say, well, here the tongues of men and of angels can be a heavenly language. That we do not know for sure, but some preach that emphatically. And what I'm saying, the emphasis here is that if we speak of the language of men, tongues of men and of angels, but we do not have love, it's just noise. Yeah. That's so, kind of what I inferred to, and just reading this now with you. But yeah, it's like if you if you speak, whether you're speaking of your own tongue, talking, you know, like we are now, or you're talking, you know, in some heavenly, you know, language or or of angels, you're annoying without love. You know, you're a noisy symbol or a gong, and nobody likes to hear that outside mm-hmm. of hearing it in a concert right. <laughs> at the right time. <laughs> and right, some people teach within charismatic circles. This proves that it doesn't have to be 
a known tongue, a language in the world, but it can be a heavenly language and it can be the language of angels. That's not necessarily the point of what is being said. We cannot prove that or disprove it from this one verse. And that's the way I like to leave this. But what is the emphasis is that it's just noise if we don't have love. That is the emphasis of everything within the spiritual gifts. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. It's not just a noisy, annoying sound, but I am nothing if I do not have love. The emphasis is on the individual here. And look at it, the gift of prophecy. Know all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith as to remove mountains, supernatural faith that I can believe God for anything, but if I do not have love, I am nothing. I'm nothing to the kingdom. I believe you can say I'm nothing in my relationship with God to the body. There's not really any value in me if I do not have love. You know, and it's interesting. What stands out to me in that passage is the mysteries and all knowledge. Because there's so many groups of people that they, they put almost all of their energy into learning the mysteries of God or the mysteries of the universe or the mysteries, you know, and they, and they think that they will seek, they will find enlightenment through that process. Right. You know, but this is standing in direct opposition to that. Yes, because God is more concerned about the individual and their relationship with him and their relationship with the body than he is about this gifting. Mm -hmm. God distributes the gifts according to his will, and it's our responsibility to walk in the love of God in everything that we do. In fact, when you look in a different context, all the law can be summarized in the understanding of loving God with all of your heart, mind, soul, everything that is within you with all of your strength. And the second is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. So all the law of Moses can be summarized in those two statements, which is wrapped around what? Love. Mm -hmm. And so the love of God and the love for others is what is important and what defines us. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. There's not anything to my account if I do all these sacrificial things in my life, but if it's not coming out of love, and that can happen. Maybe it's coming out of getting praise from people and how people uplift us and how we have a great name because of all the sacrifice that we're doing. But if it's not coming from the love of God, there's no profit at all. Because God sees the heart. God knows the innermost being of who we are. God knows what motivates us. And if it's not coming out of love, it profits me nothing. That's a real strong understanding about, about everything that we do that it must be motivated, guided by the love of God. Think about the church at Ephesus and the seven churches of Revelation that we'll look at later on down the road. But they had lost their first love. Strong rebuke for the church at Ephesus. Hmm. Now, starting in verse 4, 
is God's love. The word here is agape. I don't really get into word studies because these words sometimes do not follow the definition always. So every context will define that word, and the word is love. So kind of like in English, where love can mean a variety of things, I guess agape, it also has this range of things. And it doesn't always stick to that pattern. So what defines the word is the context. And the context here is God's understanding of love, of what he wants to see in the body at Corinth, in the believers at Corinth. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. When you look at this, this is in contrast to the way that the world defines love. And so we're living in a Western society that dominates the world today. Even in the East, the Western culture, language, society is dominating the mindset of the young people. So in the understanding of love in the world is in confrontation to what we're talking about here. The world may take a few of these characteristics, but all of these characteristics is defining what the love of God is. Like, so like the world says, love is love, as if that's some justification for something. Like mm-hmm. there's a supernatural concept of love, and because I have this feeling of love, then it's love and everything is justified because of it. But I guess what we're kind of saying here is it's, it's very different functionally. Yes. Love in the world is an emotion, a feeling that you have for someone. I fell in love. I fell out of love. Mm-hmm. That's not the character of God. Mm-hmm. Love is concrete. Love is a decision that we make. Love is a life in the spirit that brings about these characteristics. I don't fall in love and then fall out of love. It is who we are and what we do. God is love. So the character of God as a believer is with us at all times. We don't have a choice whether we're going to love someone or not love someone. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. Also, Love in the Western society is defined as tolerance. Mm -hmm. So if you love me, you will not judge me and you will not be a hater and don't criticize me. But if you love me, you will just tell me good things about my life. Mm -hmm. That's completely different. You will encourage me on my path, whatever that path is. Yes. But here, love does not rejoice with unrighteousness. Love rejoices with truth. Mm. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't compromise the truth of God in his word. Yeah, and I think, you know, you heard or I've heard a lot, you know, well the mother a mother's love is uh you know, the strongest love and you hear that sometimes in secular things, but if you think about a mother's love, you know, that's pretty selfish too, because it's caring about that son or that daughter. Mm-hmm. The or flesh off flesh. Yeah, and so this is, you know, it's it's contradicting this where it's saying it does not seek its own. You know, mm-hmm. so that can be a misnomer that we think of, oh, yeah, when we compare God's love to the mother's love or father's love. I mean, there's yeah. an aspect of that in there, but you got to take out the selfish part of that where they're just caring about that one child. Mm-hmm. And, and you can see a mom do some 
selfish things. You know, Sometimes the mom is living their life through the children. Sometimes the father does. There's a selfishness that's involved in where you're doing everything for the child, but it's really actually about you. Like you're living vicariously through them. Yeah, you yes. think of a, a soccer mom comes to mind or a football dad. You know, it's really about mm. <laughs> about the parent than it can be more about the child. And I, and, and I like how Paul, before that, he talks about faith to move a mountain. You know, and how many people have we known that have faith to move a mountain? You know, I've never seen a mountain moved, whereas I've never really heard of a, anybody moving a mountain with faith. So he's, he almost takes the most extreme example and says, you know, mm. if you're not walking in this, this kind of love and have this love which he lays out what it is, you know, and you can do that, it's nothing. And I think that's so powerful. You can see the greatest miracle that the earth has ever seen, but if you don't do it with the right spirit and you don't operate in these things that he lays out and this is not the motive behind it, then it's absolutely nothing, which is incredible to think about. Yes. In fact, it says, I am nothing. Yeah. My value to the kingdom is zero if I do not have God's love. Look at this, love is patient. If someone says, well, I lack patience, you should say to them, you need to know the love of God because God has patience with us. And a father and a mother has to have patience with their children because they're not going to be mature at the beginning. And so you look at these believers in Corinth, a lot of immaturity, so a lot of patience has to be exhibited from others that are more mature for these others, and if they have the love of God, there's going to be patience involved in nurturing these people in the things of God. Love is kind and is not jealous. A lot of jealousy can pop up within any situation, even within believers, of looking and coveting what someone else has, jealousy over another family. And understand, when that jealousy starts to develop, that is not God. That is not the love of God. And you have to get back to the basics of understanding God's love. Uh, love does not brag and, and, and is not arrogant. So it's not pointing a finger at me. Look at my spiritual gift. Look at what I have. I prophesy, but you just clean the floors every week. You just come in here and make it really nice for people. That's not anything. It does not brag, it's not arrogant, it's not pointing the finger at myself, look at how good I am. So that has to be gone. What destroys it? The love of God. And and Scott, would you say, so, you know, we talked about the fruit, fruit of the Spirit. Um, Is this sort of a good litmus test to, to look at these things? Are you patient? Are you kind? And if you're struggling with that, then... You know, you need to work on growing that fruit of the Spirit in your life or, or operating more in that fruit. Because, you know, it talks about one of the fruit, you know, part of the fruit being love. Yes. And this is kind of outlines love. And I think, to me, these are real tangible things to say, am I patient? You know, was I unpatient here? So what's going on in my life? Where, where Why am I not walking in the fruit of the Spirit? Yes, yeah, see, Paul's already written in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit, singular. Mm-hmm. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So there's the context of what really defines who we are. It's the character of God through a life in the Spirit. And if you walk a life in the Spirit, this fruit will come out that the law cannot bring judgment against a person. 
you remember in Galatians, they're trying to bring the new believers, Gentile believers, under the law to say you're perfected by the law. And Paul is talking about a life in the spirit that puts down the deeds of the flesh. And in the same context, you're seeing here that the gifts of the spirit are operating and they need to operate by the love of God. And he's emphasizing the love of God here. And then you see some of the descriptions, love is patient, love is kind. The same type of description that you're looking at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. Yeah. So there's overlap in yeah. what is being and said. To me, that's powerful. I'm, I'm, my mind works kind of practical. So, you know, when you say, well, the fruit of the Spirit, love. Well, I love my mom. I love, I mm-hmm. love Scott. I love Yoni. Mm-hmm. And then I like that this is actually broken down to what that right. love means. Okay. Am mm-hmm. I patient? Was I jealous? Was I rejoicing in somebody that something bad happened to them? And, I, you know, this just gives me a, a check where I can say, mm-hmm. hey, am I walking in love truly? How God is, is defining it through his word. Right. Mm-hmm. One more comment about that. Chapters 12, 13, and 14 is all about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about a life in the Spirit. And now right in the middle of that, he's talking about love. In Galatians, it's all about a life in the Spirit that produces the fruit of the Spirit. Now, this love is what has to come back to the Corinthian church in the operation of the spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. And look at the next characteristic. Love does not act rudely or unbecomingly. We think of rude as someone that just comes in and they say things and do things that just aren't nice. It doesn't reflect God's character, and it can come from any direction. Alan, you're from New York. We always say, you know, you lived up there many years. New Yorkers are rude. You know, what does that mean? They, they'll just let you have it at any time. Now, that's a stereotype. Mm-hmm. But that's what I think about is someone that doesn't control what they say, their actions, their speech, and they're always cutting at people, dividing people. They do not act in a right way, but they act unbecomingly. Love does, God's love doesn't do that. And I've heard too, a lot of the famous prophets and healers that people end up seeing on TV, some of them are very phony, but a, a lot of them have, a, have an arrogance, not all of them, you know, but they have an arrogance that goes with this, this self-absorbed pride of having these spiritual giftings. And I just think it's interesting because it's like this kind of pokes at the heart of it. We're talking about this letter is written to a church that had these spiritual giftings, but they were out of control and they were all over the place. People were just selfishly wanting them. And then, you know, we just read how importance of the context of these giftings. It's supposed to be about unity and community. And now it's even getting more direct. It's if you don't have that love in it, it falls apart. And so it's just interesting because I think there's so many examples, real world examples of people who get puffed up and, and prideful because of these spiritual giftings they've got. You know, in this verse, I feel like it's boom, goes right to the heart of it. Yes, because then you see the other side in their personal life sometimes. Mm-hmm. And they really need to get back to 1 Corinthians 13 because this is the whole essence of what Paul is saying. Guys, pursue love. Mm-hmm. Don't pursue the spiritual gifts, but pursue the love of God. And this is what the love of God is. Now look at the next thing that is mentioned here. Love does not seek its own. In the world that we live in, it's always just be happy, fulfill yourself. 
make sure that you fulfill your destiny and it's all about you. God's love is not all about seeking my own. It's always looking at the other individual and seeing their needs first before my own needs. Looking at the body, looking first at God, my actions, does it glorify God? And secondly, does it build up the body of the Messiah? So it, it does not seek its own, is not provoked. Sometimes it says not easily angered. So if you have the love of God, then someone said something, you made you a little bit upset. Yeah, you're not just coming after them. You, all of us have had those times in which someone said something, we had a bad day, and it sets us off easily. When we're walking in the love of God, we're not easily provoked. We have the ability to just step back. I've had a hard day. You said something, it, it didn't sound right, but listen, it's okay. And you're able to deal with it in the right way. There are times that you will be provoked to righteous anger. Hmm. That's not what this is talking about. Jesus did it when he went into the temple and he saw the money changers and what they were doing to his father's house. Yeah. So that's a different context here. But if we're walking in the love of God, we're not going to be easily angered, provoked. We're going to have that patience with individuals. Yeah, and I'd see this, you're talking about New York City, but, you know, you're in a crowded subway and it's hot and, you know, just depending on what's going on in your day. And I'd, I'd notice myself, you know, maybe I woke up and didn't quite get the coffee I wanted or, or didn't spend enough time on devotions. And someone, you're on a train, someone bumps into you or, or cuts you off or says something and you just get really mad. And then I would always check myself and be like, why am I letting this other person affect my demeanor for the next hour or so and get worked up and thinking about that. And that was always a check to me that mm. something was a little bit off either spiritually or I was tired or, or maybe I need to go back, you know, read another chapter or two more for the morning devotional. And that would, <laughs> yeah, and someone said it, I forget how they worded it, but it was if you can let someone else do something to affect you inside personally for an extended amount of time, you kind of need to check what's going on in your yeah. heart. And you're not really walking in in that love or walking in the spirit mm -hmm. and, and there's probably something that you need to look at and say well yoni cut me off on the road and if you're just sitting there fired up for 30 minutes kind of thinking about what you should have done or should have said to them then you probably should check what's going on inside and yes. say are you are you walking in love and are you operating in that and the answer isn't more coffee no the answer is, <laughs> yeah, is exactly. to, to get the love of god and get back to the basics if you ever want to check this, try driving in Israel. Everybody is so uptight. Everybody's <laughs> ready to get each other. And, uh, and those that are listening from Israel will understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. If you have road rage, you're probably not walking in life. <laughs> Love does not take into account a wrong suffered. That means forgiveness over and over and over. And when we're dealing with young believers, we expect it from the world because the world will hate us because of our faith. They hated him, they will hate us, and persecution will come, and we will love those who hate us and bless those that curse us. But the whole context here is within the body. We suffer wrongs by people within the body. Forgive. If you have the love of God, forgive them, and don't hold that against them. And so he says, does not take into account a wrong suffered. We let that go by the love of God, and it's gone. We're not going to sit on the opposite side of the building 
in order to avoid this person that we've had a dispute with. We're going to get it right, and we're going to honor God, and we're going to come together if possible. You know, sometimes it's not possible, but by the love of God, I'm going to do my part to try to make it right, and I'm not going to carry it in my heart. Yeah, that's always a tough one for me, and I'm sure maybe other people listening struggle with that, but I can... In my mind, I'll justify, well, I love them, but I'm just not going to talk to them anymore, and I don't have to, mm. to see them in the church or, you know, just, yeah, like Scott said, it's really, it takes almost proactive in a, in a maturity and love to say, you know what, I'm not going to even take account of it anymore. I'm just going to, they ask for forgiveness, whatever it is, we've talked about it, mm. and then I shouldn't, the first time I see Scott, think about that that thing he did wrong to me or see Yoni and remember mm-hmm. the time he and maybe they were in the wrong and maybe it was really something they shouldn't have done and you see that in the in the body of Christ where people say things you know whether it's gossiping mm-hmm. or just something wasn't right they did something to you that in no scriptural context anyway was right but if they've asked for forgiveness and you, and you need to address that and even if they don't ask for forgiveness it's almost on us to be the bigger person to walk in love and say Hey, this this hurt me, but I forgive you for it. Maybe they didn't ask for you to forgive them, and they're like, "What do you What do you mean?" In most cases, that's the case. Yeah. They see it one way, you see it another way. Both are convinced they're right, and so you have to allow that to be gone. Don't make it an issue and forgive. Even sometimes we're wrong. Maybe we we don't even see that we were yeah. wrong in the issue, but we think the person is wrong. And that's the issue, so we got to let it go, get it out of our heart, and not to hold into account a wrong suffered by that individual, even if we're in the wrong. Yeah. If that makes sense, you know, it's an issue of our heart and what we're going to do with the love of God. It's very cool that we can get caught up in all these different things that we're, we're trying to do, whether it's in ministry, we think, I, just, I need to grow the size of my church, or I need to bring some souls to Christ, or I need to do this or that. But, but Scripture's kind of presenting a singular measuring stick, which is the love. We get caught up on metrics, you know, and whatever we're doing, and it's just interesting. And in this chapter, it's like, no, 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 no. Let me show you this, the one measuring stick. Yeah, what we're to pursue. And yeah. look at the next one. I want the whole Western church to listen to this characteristic of the love of God. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but love rejoices with the truth. So if anyone comes to me and says, if you really love me, you will not challenge me. You will not speak a word of rebuke. You will not reprove. You're a hater, and you shouldn't be doing that. And that is saturating so much of the Western church today that they're not actually operating in the love of God. The love of God never rejoices with unrighteousness. So if two people are coming in, like 1 Corinthians 5, and there's sin in the body, if I truly love them, I'm not going to go say, oh, I'm not going to judge you, because we're to judge within the body. That's what it's all about. The world is already judged. But if we have a guy sleeping with his father's wife and we're not doing anything about it, we're not walking in the love of God. And Paul says you're arrogant. Mm. And you're prideful. So some of you listened to that message on 1 Corinthians 5 as we were teaching. And it comes out here in a characteristic of love. So the seeker-friendly congregations that are growing, that are so large, that are built on a model of church growth, are actually not walking and ministering in the love of God many times. 
because they do not want to confront unrighteousness. And the love of God does not rejoice with unrighteousness. It rejoices with truth. Mm. So if there's sin in the body and you speak to it, you go to them in private, you start dealing with that in order because that's unrighteousness. And when the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word comes out, we rejoice in that, that yes, they did go and get married. And now they are living in a covenant relationship where they're honoring God and honoring and edifying the body because they're living together in sin. It's not edifying the body. It's a little bit of leaven that's going to destroy the whole body. So the love of God, everybody, that verse 6 is very important in the Western society that names the name of Christ. Don't ever come back and say love is tolerance because God's love is just the opposite. And I like how it builds up to this in 6. And before before he goes into 6, it talks about it being patient, kind, not arrogant, not seeking its own. So confronting or, or coming against or not rejoicing in someone in unrighteousness, before that, you're patient, you're kind, you're caring about them, mm-hmm. you're not seeking it for yourself. You can have a, a, a different attitude where it's just you, you can hate and hate, and it's yeah. not a, not a, a love that, that Paul is talking about here, coming against unrighteousness. It's more because I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah. But when you're not rejoicing in it, you're you also have these other components mm-hmm. of that love. And if you yeah, if you really care about somebody, you really care about somebody in the body, you want them to walk in the fullness of Christ and what he has for them and also walk in truth because that's God is, is putting these things and and calling us to be righteous and holy as he is. Because yeah. he knows, yeah, it's it's because he's a righteous God, but also this is what is is better for the body and better for us and he knows this mm-hmm. and if we're not telling somebody that we're ultimately taking away from what they could have in Christ and even taking away from their salvation by not telling them hey these yeah. things are separating you from God and no you're not walking in God's That's plan and, you're not walking and in yes them. and unrighteousness is sin yeah and so sin that doesn't represent God as you see that within the body like in 1 Corinthians 15 It was an extreme situation, but Paul had to kick the man and the lady out of the body. Mm. For the sake of what? Restoration, Mm -hmm. if you read 1 Corinthians 5. So not rejoicing with the sin of the world, the unrighteousness, but we rejoice with the truth. And when someone breaks that bondage in their life and they come to the truth, what a beautiful thing that is. Verse 6 is so important in understanding the love of God. And look at the next verse. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Mm. This is the love of God within the body of the Messiah. That if we have the love of God, we can bear all things. We can believe all things. That's not talking about being naive but if we have the love of God, the faith that we have to believe all things and the things of God for the body, hope all things, our hope is in the truth of who Christ is and his return and our hope is in him, our hope is not in this world. We can hope all things and we can endure all things as the body of Christ if we have the love of God in our lives, in our congregations, in the body. The gifts will operate in the right way if the love of God 
is at the center of everything that we do. There's kind of a neat dichotomy here. Like I think one of the very pressing issues, I think that's related to these recent verses, is like the issue of homosexuality in the church. Because it's very, you know, it's a very challenging thing. People are very divided on it. But this is almost kind of addressing two sides. On the one side, there's a large community of the church that says, you know what, we're not even going to talk about it. And, and we're going to let we're going to let what we think the scripture says is sin, and we're just going to ignore that. And 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 scripture here is very clear. That's that's not love. But then there's also the other side too. It's there's a, there's a community that says, well, because this is truth or whatever, they're going to hate, and they justify their hate through it. You know. And so there's kind of both sides are being referenced here. You know, it's like well, the true love does actually love, but they but but it's they don't use that as excuse. To not address issues. Yes, exactly. And I think one will define the other in a wrong way mm-hmm. sometimes. If you confront sin within your teaching, your preaching, within your small groups and you're teaching the Word of God, then others who are saying, no, we shouldn't do that, say you're just hating. Correct. So then we get lumped up into one category. But I love what you're saying. We're actually demonstrating the love of God. Mm-hmm. And so there is a wrong and there is a right way. And if you go to 1 Corinthians 5 of people living in sin and allowing it to exist within the body, that is absolutely 100% wrong for the body to do that. Mm-hmm. And they're prideful and they're arrogant. Yeah. And so... Yes, we have to have patience and we have to endure things, and, but we're not talking about unrighteousness here. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have a specific understanding that, okay, this believer is living in sin, so we have to be patient with them. No, we have to be patient with each other within the body as we interact with each other. And sometimes a wrong is suffered and we have to forgive. But here we're dealing with, in 1 Corinthians 5, and I think this verse 6 is very clear, we never rejoice with unrighteousness. We rejoice with the truth. So when sin is there, we're not rejoicing. We're trying to get to the truth and what is, stands for what is right within God's Word. And let me make one last statement here, and we're going to stop here and then continue next time. Love never fails. Not man's love, not the world's love, but God's love. And God's love is demonstrated by these characteristics, not how you and I would define it or others define it or Hollywood defines it or Bollywood or Lollywood, whatever the movie industry is, how they define love is running around trees in the rain, an emotion, a feeling of tolerance, all of these kind of things. That love always fails. Hollywood, they're in love. A year later, they're out of love. And they go through it five or six, seven, ten, twelve times within a lifetime. They've never even understood what the love of God is. God's love is defined by these characteristics, and God's love never fails. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.